Lyrics to the Hub, your fan cast, brought to you by TV Series Hub. Hi guys, welcome back. I'm your host, Kelsey. I am joined by my fellow Nurk, Heather. Hey everybody. And we are so excited for our guest today. She is the writer, director, and star of the eight-time Emmy-nominated Conversations in LA, Anne-Marie Cummings. Welcome to Nurks. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, we are so excited. So I want to start off, I guess, by asking you where the idea came for Conversations in LA, because it is, it is unlike anything else I've ever seen on TV. And I watch a lot of TV and it is very, as a person who is a nosy introvert, who both like wants to know everybody's business, but is also the person who's very uncomfortable when there's like drama happening and will be the awkward, like, so anyways, guys, you know, in a conversation, it is like, I get, it's the way it's written, the way it really feels like you are listening to people's actual conversations because it doesn't feel like TV conversations. It's so like awkward and wonderful at the same time. It's amazing. <laughs> how how did this come about? Well, that's a great question. And it's a it's a loaded one. Um, I would have to say that, first of all, people would have to know my background to understand who I am and, and where all this came from. You know, I basically have 30 years behind me in the theater. So I worked as a professional theater actress. I worked as a playwright. I ran my own theater companies and I was more recently the director of an upstate theater company that moved from a theater into a movie theater. So I was starting to transition my work from the stage in all the aspects of the stage which the stage, as you know, there are no cuts. Mm -hmm. The actors, the characters just are on that stage and you go for two hours straight sometimes. Um, You know, I was moving my work from the stage medium into the television and film medium. And this for me uh, was really the stepping stone into conversations in LA because when I started to write conversations in LA, it came out like I was writing. Each scene was like a play, a mini play, except I needed to make it exciting visually. So knowing that the camera wasn't going to stop moving, I had to shift things and move things and basically take us out of the theater and into the world. And in terms of the writing itself and that awkward feeling that you were talking about, you know, I think that I am writing as a sign of the times. I'm writing about people and how they are today. Uh, People express their feelings. People are on social media talking about their feelings. People are having all kinds of diverse relationships. People are doing things that uh, are different than, you know, the 1930s. There aren't the niceties of the 1930s or 40s anymore. This is the real world. And, you know, I guess I would throw a question back to you of what is television for you? And how does how does that 
differ from what I'm doing because, you know, the way I see it, I'm not doing anything different. I'm just writing, you know, characters with dark secrets and characters that are in a very complex uh, relationship. So I guess for me, the difference, <laughs> so much of it has to be the dialogue. I think back to season one and Gus in the McDonald's and we're hearing, we never see him talk. We hear his inner thoughts the whole time. And I think I told Heather, this feels like you always hear um, people talk about art should challenge you. This is the first time I've ever felt that from a TV show where it's like I'm watching someone's inner thoughts without a filter. Where so often what I watch on TV, there's the there's the entertainment filter. There's the it's a superhero show or it's a sci-fi show or it's this is us and we want to make you cry. And this is like this is my heart and I'm going to open it and I'm going to tell you what's in my heart. I mean, the conversations between Michelle and Gus are like they're just I was like, oh, God, I feel like I've had that conversation with my husband and it's up and down and the emotions and the and in 15 minutes, it goes from like laughing to crying to angry. And I'm like, you just don't get that in a regular TV show. And it's amazing. But it is very like it's it is challenging because it does feel like you're watching people, real people have real conversations. And you're like, should I be watching this? <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. And I mean, uh, thank you. I, I'm very flattered that you say this about my work. Um, I I don't have a network behind me. I'm the executive producer. I have other producers that are working with me. And I think that's one of the reasons why. And when uh, Lou Diamond Phillips and I were recently on uh, at the Emmys on the red carpet, somebody had asked us if Anne-Marie had pitched this to the networks, would they have thought she was crazy? Um, And he said yes. But I also, you know, look at this as this is a very different style, but we've seen it in film. So it's not that different. We've seen one take films like Victoria Birdman wasn't fully a one take film, but it approached that subject. I didn't have anyone telling me what I could or couldn't write with this particular project. So for me, that was very freeing and very exciting. Um, you know, it's, it's been that way with my plays and I, my job as a writer is to tell the story of these characters. And this is what it is. You know, uh, there's a certain urgency to this relationship as they try to figure it out. Uh, You know, there are a lot of things that I might do as a writer that other people do maybe physically, you never see Gus and Michelle having sex. You never see, you know, there's certain intimacies, physical intimacies that I'm not, you know, showing in conversations in LA because it's called conversations in LA. It's about the conversations that people are having. And that is, I think what makes my dialogue different and unique. And, um, you know, other people do very shocking things in, in, in their television shows. Sometimes I have to actually walk away. I'm like, what? I can't see that. I shouldn't (laughs) have seen that. So it's interesting to me that you would say that about, about my 
about my work because it's, it's psychological. It's, Mm -hmm. it's about what two people are saying to each other, uh, as opposed to doing with each other. I love very specifically that you mentioned you don't show anybody having sex on screen or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That being said, I feel at least for me personally, like I get the most beautifully voyeuristic view of their relationship. One of the things that bothers me sometimes in your average TV show, the cadence is you have an issue, you joke about it, somebody apologizes, the issue is solved, we're done. And that is so not real life. You're like, yeah, that's great. I love that response she gave, but that's not anything anybody would ever say in the moment. And we really get to see what these people are thinking and feeling in that moment for a continuous stretch. And I really, I really enjoy that a lot. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I know that the style in terms of my writing style, I found my voice writing probably just in the last 10 years. It didn't happen for me early on as a writer. I struggled a lot and it was really right before I moved to Los Angeles. There were two plays that I specifically were, I would say it was in those two plays that things started to happen. Uh, I had to let go of a lot. Um, I had to work at it a lot and it was my play soulmates and also my play sinkhole, which I have now adapted into a one take film. And that's a very exciting project, um, that I, I just, you know, maybe down the line, we'll talk about that one. But the fact is, you know, my style and my writing voice, Lou Diamond Phillips compares me to David Mamet compares me to Tarantino, which I'm very flattered by. I think it's naturalistic to say the least, you know, the question is, are writers, supposed to be writing, you know, every writer has their different style. Mm -hmm. If you have listened to podcasts with Aaron Sorkin, you know, he's going to talk about the kind of writers, uh, the kind of characters that he likes to write. I like to write about real characters going through real issues that I think people can relate to. Um, so any older woman who's with a younger man who watches this show or any couple that watches this show, whether it's the older woman, younger man type of relationship probably would watch this, I hope, and say, gosh, I identify with that. Absolutely. You know, as a writer, I want people to identify with the work so that they can walk away with something that, that they've learned something, that they've experienced something, that they've lived something. Yeah. Well, and that's absolutely what happens. (laughs) It's challenging. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) I think anybody, you know, if you're in the situation where you're dating maybe one or maybe a few people to try and figure things out, there's a good chance you're going to come across a decent age difference with somebody that you connect with. And I definitely can say that I have felt a lot of the conversations that you've had in this show in previous relationships. It just hits home. 
Oh, good, good. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> home. Um, we all have to go through a few issues and journey in, in your life, you know, to get where you are. So even the bad things are okay. <laughs> right. Right. And I don't think that it changes the challenges in any relationship. I find love to be the most complicated subject on the earth. And, you know, one that I always tend to gravitate to in terms of my writing. So I'm probably always trying to figure it out in some way. Yeah. Well, you have so many really beautiful moments. And I mean, I, I was trying to jot down, like, what do I want to ask her, like, specifically about? Like, I love, you know, her Hamlet moments, I, you know, when, when Gus finally has to listen to her perform and, and he's like, oh, I guess you are an actress or whatever. And like <laughs> these things, but the one... I will tell you that that for me, the episode that hit really, really hard home was season two, the, the season two premiere. And well, first, like the terrible marriage proposal <laughs> that's like watching like a train wreck happen. But then when they start talking about kids. Um, so I have two beautiful children that are both adopted because I couldn't get pregnant. And uh-huh. we've had a lot of conversations through the years that I felt like and I'm sitting there like screaming <laughs> the scream when it's having going, Jesus, she told you from the beginning. Stop, you know, and then when he was like, don't you think I'd make a great father? And I'm like, oh, don't turn it around. And I'm like, it was very compelling. And I'm wondering where, you know, that story, like what, I guess, what called out to you about that story that needed to be told, that part of it? The adoption side of things? The, well, the adoption and that like, you know, her not wanting children and him wanting children. And then this like <laughs> sort of push and pull between them on that particular issue, I guess. Right. Well, you know, as I was writing season two, I thought, where would they go as the relationship gets deeper? Are they going to get married? Are they going to have kids? Obviously, I've written two people that have a lot of conflict, which is great drama. And I thought, okay, I've written characters that I need to see how far I can take it in terms of their conflict. Because couples always struggle with the, not all couples, of course, but a lot of couples struggle with the children subject. There are some people that stop dating just because one of them doesn't want kids and the other one wants kids. There are some people who stop uh, because one wants to adopt, one doesn't want to adopt. You know, the age difference obviously creates that tension. So for me, it was imagine imagining. It wasn't a, well, what do I, it was really simply, how am I going to create more drama for my characters? How am I going to, you know, and also relatable drama. It, it just, I could only imagine myself in that, that situation. And I've known people who uh, also have various scenarios of the age difference, plus the fact that they try for many years and then they can't. I mean, they're just and then they have to make the decision to adopt. So, you know, this is a situation where Michelle is no longer able to have children, was never able to have children. And she meets somebody who wants to have a family and you know, that right there is drama when you're in love and you want to be together. So she's the one that bends. She makes it work. 
you know? Well, she tries to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you everything about season three, but the fact is she definitely, you know, she's, she's the protagonist that, you know, all those women that try to make that relationship work, you know, they're going to kill mm-hmm. themselves to make it work for the sake oh. of love. <laughs> and it's hard to watch. <laughs> it's good to watch, but it's hard where you're just going like, honey, please. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, look at him, look at him. He's, you know, he's got so many, there's so much love and, you know, that's the one thing that that character has is loyalty. And, you know, he's got other issues, but he doesn't have the loyalty issue card. And for many women, that's number one. So, you know, yes, he's got a lot of faults. Um, would I end up in a relationship like that today? No, hell no. But, uh, there's, there's a lot of endearing qualities there. Uh, Gustavo Velasquez. He's amazing. We love him. I have no idea. Even from episode one, I I really love how you kind of, you twisted and turned it like a little, like there's a little bit of back and forth, you know, where you weren't sure, like, is he a good guy? Does he really just want to let her borrow his jean jacket? Where in the world did you find this person who was relatively unknown as far as IMDb is concerned. Yes. Well, I mean, (laughs) in many ways we both are because this is my first television show. I never had an interest in TV or film uh, before this, but obviously I, I have a lot of theater background, but Gustavo, that, that is a very interesting and fun story. I don't know if, do you know the story at all? Really? You don't? No, I don't. That was really just a question. <laughs> I, I think it, weren't you like something like you were at a restaurant and saw him? Is that correct? Well, I was sitting at a <laughs> Starbucks and outside. And I was talking to Vanita Harbour, who plays Michelle's best friend. And so great. Yep. And (laughs) she went to Carnegie Mellon University with me. And I was sitting next to her and I said, look, I've written a scene and I want to film it. And I need this young guy. I'm thinking Hispanic and literally, as I said that she goes, you know, I'm going to go get myself a refill. She got up. I looked to my right and there is Gustavo talking to this woman. They were reading a play. So I knew right away actors and they were (laughs) talking to each other. And I knew the play as well. Golden boy, like classic, you know, actor, young actors studying theater. So I literally walked over and I gave them both my business card. And I said, look, I'm writing a project right now. Uh, I am specifically looking for a young man and here <laughs> like for the work, <laughs> for the record, <laughs> I gave them my cards. And then the next day he emailed me and I said, here's a scene. I'd like to audition you. We met at Lemonade in Beverly Hills and I read him outside. I worked with him a few times. We read the scene. I gave him direction. I was like, okay, he's malleable. He's hungry. He wants to do it. And then that's when we started. And it honestly, it, it was, it was loaded with a lot of interesting stuff between us. I mean, you know, here I am, you know, you have to kind of imagine for a second, you know, a Helen Mirren with 
I don't know, a Tom Cruise or something, you know, (laughs) very different people, very different styles, very different approaches. But the thing that, you know, I have to say about Gustavo is he stuck that out with me for three years. We worked so hard together. He came in, he showed up, he was hungry enough to, to learn. I basically, I taught him so much. Um, and I took the time to do it because I saw something. And I also felt that we have this, we have an incredible on-screen chemistry. I don't know why, when, why, or how, but you know, it just is there. It is. It's, I personally really feel like you're in a relationship when I'm watching you on screen. Like <laughs> so do other people. I mean, they, they all feel this way and people that see us in real life, uh, if we're at an event or something, they think we're in a relationship and it's this, it's just that we just have this immense appreciation for each other. And it was meant to be. This podcast is brought to you by tvserieshub.tv, your site for entertainment news, reviews, and interviews. Now back to the show. Let's just, let's just say that much. It was meant to be. I don't think that I would have met anybody else in Los Angeles who would have done all this with me because it was honestly, it's asking a lot. One take one take episodes are very difficult. Even some of the pros in the industry have a hard time doing one take anything. It's extremely I, difficult. It's in fact, it's, it's, I'll just say it. It's painfully difficult, you know, because you're asking people, I'm asking my DP to memorize 30 minutes of blocking. I'm asking the actors to go usually to film and television actors don't go for 30 minutes straight. They just don't do it. Uh, the McDonald's scene that you mentioned, you know, watching, I, I had to work with Gustavo in such a way where rehearsals were basically quiet. I watched him go through the motions. First, he would do the his thoughts out loud. He would speak his thoughts out loud. And then I would say, now do it without speaking. And I would follow along, of course, because I'm also the writer. This is, the, you know, I say this to myself in the back of my mind every, almost every day, because, you know, I'm letting go of conversations in L.A., at least the version on Amazon Prime, um, and moving into other projects. And I look at this and I'm like... In, insane, insane. It's so hard. It's yeah. so, so hard. I, uh, you know, after every time we got a take after every episode, we would all need to rest for at least four or five days before we could come back together again. It, physically exhausting work, especially when you start to see the work in season two, uh, Mexican Brown, for example, you know, with Gus and his Mm -hmm. drug dealer, you know, that was physically killed us all. I mean, uh, Compton girl, that was us running around a block. You only see it once. So you're like, wow, okay, cool. Yeah. But that was us running around a block just imagine we did it the day of the shoot. We did it, I think 10 times. So that was about seven, seven hours of us running around, but we rehearsed it for about three weeks. So that was three weeks of running around. I think I lost 10 pounds just doing that one episode. No joke. And even my, my DP for that particular episode, uh, Roland Miller, he was, 
he was at, he was at his wit's end. He was so exhausted. Very, very hard work because, you know, the camera moves so fast and they're running by the end. Well, but even the not physical stuff. I mean, I uh, recently got to interview um, Jason Tobin, who's on Cinemax's Warrior right now. Yes. And he was talking about um, so he just recently got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes so he has to track his blood sugar and he was talking about doing a, a not physical day just a day where he was acting and not having to do any of the fighting and stuff and just how much that affected his blood sugar and he was like it's exhausting you know and so many you know us as civilians we don't understand that like saying lines which it looks like you stand there and you I know it's hard but it's not but it's like physically just so draining so i can imagine these huge one shots that are long one shots not just like a five minute one shot it's the whole episode it's incredible right. it is and you know uh it- even more so is the writing of these episodes and even writing in general is exhausting. It's one of the hardest things. I Sometimes I think my writing itself exhausts me more than the work as an actress and a director, because as a writer, I have to, you know, I'm writing intense work and then I have to uh, take a nap. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. If the it's there's a great Robert Frost quote. If um, I don't know exactly how it goes, but something to the effect of if the writer doesn't cry, the reader doesn't cry. If you know, if it isn't in the writer, it's not going to be in the reader or in the viewer. It's the same thing. So when you see that acting that's very emotional or you see something that pulls your emotions, it's because the writer was pulled as well. Yeah. Well, I love listening to you talk because it's so I think it's very inspiring to hear one women who are like, I have a very specific vision and it's going to be like hell, but I'm going to do it anyways because I want my vision to be seen. And you've been able to successfully do three seasons, but also who was able to, as you talk about, like, Gustavo and teaching him and mentoring him and able to own that because so often as women we're sort of supposed to like downplay you know our experiences or the way you know we're able to help other people and it's it's super inspiring but you do everything (laughs) So, so one I guess my question is how do you balance writing directing and starring and will you do that again on another project or are you like Maybe I'll do one of those things instead of trying to do all of them. Um, I look at first, I'll address the teaching and the directing. I think that I use the word teaching many times. It's both directing can be relaying the vision. And sometimes, you know, you're guiding your actors towards what you really feel they need to be doing. And and since I'm also the writer, I have very specific ideas in my mind as to where those characters are going that they don't necessarily see right away when they read it on, 
the page. Um, in terms of juggling it all, well, you know, I I took it on big time with this project. There's no doubt about that. And then as each season went along, I had more help, which was wonderful, but I was still taking on a lot. I didn't film anything. I did film a few intros and outros for some of the episodes early on in season one. Um, I didn't do that. I did I stopped. It was just too much. Um, my one take film sinkhole, I'm going to be the writer and director. I know my literary managers asked me if I wanted to be in that one as well. I don't know that I do. I, I really think that, um, just writing and directing for that is important because we'll be bringing in a whole, it's a whole level, a different level that I'll be moving into and with the goal of Sundance. And, you know, you, you really want to be careful, Mm -hmm. uh, about splitting yourself. If you have a very high aspiration and you have, um, you know, a couple million dollar project, and I also want to work with people like some of the actors that we want to bring in that are really A plus actors. Um, so I think that they will need me as the writer and director. My other film, um, uh, Eat Bitter, Taste Sweet, it's a culinary romantic comedy. That's actually going to a different director. Um, so I won't even be directing that project. It's a very different project. It's very commercial, um, kind of like a chef or burnt type of project. Um, very big budget, huge budget. So we want to bring in somebody, uh, who's, who's worked in film a lot. Um, the TV series is a project that I would also direct. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's, that would be probably a project I would even be a showrunner on like conversations in LA, but you know, the goal here is to evolve, you know, I think that should be all of our goals, but I can't speak for anyone else. I can only speak for myself. I always want to evolve. I like to push myself and go further. I want to see my work continue to expand and not just be in this particular platform. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I do see myself with HBO material and Showtime and, you know, moving into bigger platforms with my films, with my TV shows. Yeah. Yes. I would love to see that. Um, I love those. I love the, the, the chef and the burnt. I did not see burnt personally, but chef was beautiful too. So I would really, I'm really looking forward to seeing your style on a different scale. Cause clearly you have such a, I mean, your CV is like seven page long. So yeah. you clearly <laughs> have had uh, practice. Isn't even the right word. Um, lots and lots of time spent honing this craft and letting it, evolve you know you've gone from theater to all different jobs in the theater to now on screen and clearly you have new goals set after that how okay i did read that you are a yoga teacher yeah, i'm not <laughs> so you're not right all, now, but i have been yes <laughs> not only all of these things as well but is that is that your unwind is that how you let yourself relax from all of these like numerous things that you have going on all the time 
I definitely walk and do yoga. It's, you know, yoga for me is an every other day type of experience and it relaxes me. It relaxes my mind and it makes me feel good as well. I think that that's number one is it just makes me feel good. And same with walking. I like like living here because I'm not that far from the ocean. So it's the fresh air. It's the, the smell of the ocean. It's getting away from all those negative ions from a computer. You know, you have to kind of refresh and reboot yourself. And that is how I do it. I walk and listen to music or I just listen to the sounds of seagulls. You know, I don't, I don't need much. Um, you know, I like to simplify my life and keep the focus. You know, I know where I need to focus. I know what I want to focus on. So the rest is, you know, is it something I want to do? Is it what I'm going to enjoy? I know it doesn't seem very exciting. Like, oh, she just likes to go for walks and do yoga. But let me tell you, you know, it's like that's that's supporting who I am. So if you've never had the opportunity to simply take a walk on the beach and enjoy (laughs) that smell of the seaweed and the water and the bonfires and the seagulls crowing overhead, it really is. Well, of course I took my yoga teacher's license too. So perhaps I'm connecting with you on this level, but it really is a beautiful, amazing experience because you get all of the senses combined with something so beautiful and powerful as the ocean. (laughs) Yes, it's true. It's, you know, I mean, I've always, I've, I've always been a little bit like this and now my, my being is a little bit more in this direction. You know, I, when I was in my twenties and thirties, I combined it with a lot of, um, a lot more social gatherings, which I still do. But if I, if I, if I'm social, I like to help people like that's the that's what I want to do. If I'm going to be social, I want to make sure it's doing something to help another person or a group of people. Add something positive in the world. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. In a world okay. that's full of so much craziness, mm-hmm. you know, got to do something that helps another human being. Every drop in the love bucket counts. Yes. I love that. Well, I know that you have another call to get to, so we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but we do want to ask you, we have one question that we ask everybody that we interview as our last question. And that is, we would like to know your favorite fan interaction. So this can be something that was funny or weird or touching. We've had it run the gamut from somebody made me cry to somebody sent me pictures of their feet so your favorite interaction with a fan um I would say that and I know this is I don't know why this just came up it's not I don't I don't think he's a fan um but (laughs) and I don't even know if it's really him that that is tweeting me um or connected on Twitter but uh I will say that or maybe it's just my wishful thinking um So while I was putting out something on my Twitter page, I noticed that Keanu Reeves was liking some of my stuff. And I'm like, is this really Keanu Reeves or is this just his fan page? What's going on here? Um, So 
and I bring him up because, um, you know, obviously John Wick three is, is now coming out, but also (laughs) I know I'm a huge matrix fan too, as well. But I think it's too, I, I bring him up because, you know, I, didn't know a whole lot about him personally, um, until I just thought, okay, you know, uh, what if this really is Keanu Reeves? I need to know a little bit more about this guy and what projects he's working on. Because now that I'm in the, the Los Angeles Hollywood scene, maybe there is something I would want to do or collaborate with him in some way. And I'm just really impressed with who he is. Um, I would say that he's somebody that, if you don't know what he's done for leukemia, if you don't know um, his sort of way of life, it's very impressive. So if he isn't a fan, and that's just a fan page, uh, strange Twitter, whatever, uh, so be it. But if he really is, I'm pretty stoked because, um, you know, I think the industry has a mixed bag and, uh, what I've read and what I've seen about him personally is just, you know, those are the kinds of people I want to be, uh, surrounded by people that go out of their way to do good in the world. And, uh, you know, just be they're They're appreciated, you know, and, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that, you know, he gave so much of his earnings to his Matrix crew. You know, I appreciate that he speaks out about um, animal uh, protection. And, you know, that's important to me almost almost as much as the work he's doing. You know, obviously, I care about the creative work, but look who's behind that pretty impressive. It is. My husband and I have often said, we love his work. I love John Wick so much. I'm so excited, but I will support anything he's ever in because of who he is, because you, all you ever hear about is he's so humble. He has this little apartment that he lives in, you know, because he, yes, he donates so much of his money. He's like, I don't need all this to live on. And, And he's just kind. And I read, uh, recently, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who I like worship, oh my God, was talking about going to the John Wick 3 premiere and somebody asked him if he took a picture with Keanu. He said, no, I like, I held myself back. Uh, and then somebody else asked, well, is he happy? Is Keanu happy? Because there's like, on, on the internet, there's all like the memes of like him, like on the street. And he always looks very sad. <laughs> and he said, Keanu Reeves sat during the most amazing kick-ass action parts of John Wick 3 and laughed like a child at like a birthday party. He was like, it was, and I'm just like, I love him so much. So I love that story. Thank you. For I love that story too. <laughs> How endearing. I'm, I, I, you know, I appreciate his enthusiasm when he talks about his projects and, and I see myself in that. I, I get very, you know, passionate and very excited uh, about everything I do. And, you know, some people kind of, think, what, the, what is she, what is she doing? What is she on? How much coffee has she been drinking? But no, it's, I'm really passionate about what I do. I love it. So yeah, um, if he's not a fan, maybe one day he will be, but I, uh, I am definitely a fan of his. So yeah, I love that. It's the perfect fan fan story. <laughs> From well, one thank you. Yeah. Possibly fan. I don't know. I, I totally changed your question. I know. No, but. it was perfect. It's like the perfect, like I said, it's like a fan fan. So thank you so much for, for oh, you know, all that. We appreciate it and appreciate you taking the time. 
Thanks for listening to another NERCS podcast. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at NERCS of the Hub. And let us know what you think. 